Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori LeBay with Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, and I'm thrilled that you are joining us today because we're going to have a fascinating and insightful conversation with the one and only Naomi File, who is the creator of the validation method. Now, before I introduce you to her and our other guests today, I do want to just uh, let those who might be new to our show know a little bit about us. And that is we are about raising all voices, big and small, all around the world. And we are not about sound bites. We like to have sound information. So we have real authentic conversations with people actually in the trenches. And maybe you could be one of our next guests. If you think you have a service product or tool, maybe you have a story, maybe you're living with dementia and and have something that you want to share with our audience, please reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Or you can go to our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com. There you will find a variety of category tabs that you can click on. One covers free educational resources, where if you click on that, you're going to find a variety of different things that you can tap into from Dementia Map and Dementia Chats to Arts and Dementia, Dementia-Friendly Communities, Memory Cafes. and We also have a service and program tab. We also do a variety of different programs. We can help you with marketing. And there is also a page for our book that's going to be coming out in uh, 2023 called Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. And then, of course, if you want to hear the story behind Alzheimer's Speaks, which is my mom's personal journey with dementia for 30 years, you can click on the mother behind the movement. So with no further ado, let's get this conversation rolling. Well, welcome everyone to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled you're here joining us today. We are so honored to have Naomi File with us. Um, she is renowned um, all across the world for her work, and we are really going to try to highlight what she has done in terms of making a difference in thousands and thousands of people's lives. Um, it's just absolutely been incredible. But um, before I introduce Naomi and Vicki, I first want to introduce you to uh, Elon Caspi. He is going to be the co-host with me today, and he's a wonderful colleague. He has worked with me on Dementia Chats. He is an assistant research professor, an author, and an advocate of our elders, uh, those living with dementia and not. Uh, he is kind of a protector of all and a creative, um, just wonderful soul. So um, thank you, uh, Elon, for, for being with us and, and co-hosting this very important show with me today. I appreciate you um, taking the time. Thank you, Laurie. I want to tell you a little bit about Naomi first, um, because I think her background is really interesting and will just set the stage to the conversation today. 
uh, Naomi is the developer of the validation method. And she was born in uh, Munich, Germany, back in 1932. And she graduated from Columbia University with her master's degree in social work. Uh, she developed the, the validation method between 1963 and 1980, um, which so many people weren't even talking about dementia back then. So she was way, way ahead of her time. And through her practice, um, as a response to really her dissatisfaction with traditional methods that were being used for severely disoriented older adults, um, the birth of validation you know, was born. And in 1982, she published her first book, Validation, The File Method, and her second book, Validation Breakthrough, was published then in 1993. Naomi and her husband, Ed, have made um, just a ton of films and videos about aging and validation. And since the mid-70s, she's done, believe this or not, over a thousand workshops here in the United States and Canada, plus a thousand workshops in Europe and Asia. So you can imagine how many lives uh, this, this precious woman has, has touched. And she is kind of known as the godmother of person-centered care. So Naomi, again, so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Well, let me do a little introduction for Vicki, too. Vicki DeClerc Rubin is, like I said, Naomi's daughter. And since 2014, she has really taken the role of executive director on for the Validation Training Institute. Um, she is a, a Dutch trained, she's a registered nurse, and she holds her MBA from Fordham University. And of course, she is certified in the val is a validation master. Um, so to set this up um, a little bit more, Aylan, I want to ask you, how the heck did you first hear about Naomi and her work? Uh, well, 20 years ago, I was a social work student at Tel Aviv University in Israel, and I was looking for another book. And I noticed the first edition of the Validation Breakthrough, you know, this kind of orangey kind of it stood out on the shelf. I picked it up. I read it in one sitting, uh, Vicky is pointing out to it now, and I was completely fascinated, I believe transformed as well, and I knew immediately that it's it, it has the potential to fill a huge void in um, whether it's prof care professionals or families' ability to support um the emotional well-being to enhance the emotional well-being and to restore the dignity of older adults living with dementia so i joined force i shared it with my colleague um Chaya Koren, and we worked started a long process of trying to bring naomi and the validation method to israel fast forward because i don't want to bore you with all the steps that went through that and also including some pushback that we had. But um, fast forward today, there's a, a authorized validation organization uh, in Israel. Many other people deserve credit for that, well beyond me, uh, kind of took the torch and ran with it. And um, there are books, three books translated, 
there are films translated to Hebrew. There are workshops regularly de delivered in Israel. So a huge impact in Israel. So uh, that's how I learned about the validation method. Well, for me, I learned about Naomi when my mom was in um, a Volunteers of America nursing home. And that's when I was first introduced. And I was so excited to learn that there was somebody actually out there training and trying to improve lives. And then I was absolutely memorized when I sat in the audience and watched this woman um, just command the floor and make so much sense. And, I, and you're kind of sitting there going, why don't, why didn't I know about this before, you know? And so I became a raving fan wanting to tell everybody about Naomi um, that I touched because she was, uh, was, and still is spectacular. And really that pioneering spirit that has just changed so many people's lives and so many business models as well. Vicki, I want to ask you, because I think this might be kind of interesting you know, Alan and I both talked about it from a personal standpoint, but for you as, as a child of Naomi's growing up, did your sense of validation change over the years of, of what it really was and, and how much it mattered to so many? Well, actually, <laughs> she developed it after I left home. Okay. I was off in college and... Um, and so my brothers really were there during the development. But shoot forward to 1988, I believe it was, Mom. And now you and I, you need to help me uh, with this beginning part. I think we were talking about your first book. And you said... Um, I need to, it's, it's a mess. It's all mixed up and it needs some work. I said, and I was a young mother at the time and living in Vienna. And I said, I've got time. I'm happy to help. And I remember we came and visited and you gave me all your books, the, um, the Freud, Jung, uh, Erickson. I, they're all here on my, the same books. Um, and you said, oh, all the references are there. And I had to go through every book to find the quotes or the references. And um, I always call that my, my training. That was my theoretical training and validation. So thank you for that. What a great story. What a, what a great way to really learn. And, and well, let me, let, let me carry that story just a tad further. I thought I knew everything. So I was asked to present at a nursing home. And I go in and I think I know everything and I have the book there and I do my song and dance. And there's a very experienced nurse sitting in the front seat like this. And she goes, oh, yeah, what do you do when Mr. Smith spits at you? And I ran to the book. And in that moment, I realized I knew nothing. Sure, I could quote you Freud and Jung and Erickson, 
and a fat lot of good that did me actually working with people. So um, that taught me a great lesson. And that was to really practice validation, to know validation. You've got to work with the people. And that's something, Mom, that you said a million times. Thank you. Thank you for carrying that on. You know, I had heard that as a child, you actually lived in a nursing home where your parents worked. And most people listening are probably going to think that I just made a mistake. But Naomi actually did live in a care home growing up. So how did you come to live in a, in a care home? Well, my father was a and um, he was the director of this home. And my mother, um, then they called it a matron. She had to supervise all the cooking and the cleaning and all that. And um, a, a someone who is the head of an institution at that time, they lived in that institution with their family. So that's how we we had four four rooms in this home, and. Um, my sister and I had a, the bedroom, one bedroom, my mother and father, another bedroom. And so as a child, I got to know the old people because the lady right opposite, you know, there, was a, there were rooms and hallways and then more rooms. And the woman that lived opposite my room, uh, Florence Liu, uh, we became good buddies. And uh, so after the nurses had left, she gave me a signal. There's three knocks, and that meant all clear. Nurse is gone. So I came out, and we snuck down the fire escape, which was very dangerous because it was all made out of steel. And the steps had a lot of, well, they were crooked. But Mrs. Lou and I, we never fell. We went very carefully down the steps, and I saved my allowance. And we went to the local drugstore, Strikes Pharmacy, and we had an ice cream soda. And we did that for a long, we wandered around, we had a lot of fun. Except one night we were sitting at Strikes Pharmacy having our ice cream soda, and I heard a voice saying, there she is! And that was the nurse, this first, with two policemen. So when I next saw Mrs. Lou, she wasn't the same. She, her eyes were glazed. Her movements were mechanical. She couldn't talk with me very much anymore. She wasn't my friend anymore. She wasn't, she was a different person. They had given her shock treatments. And, and me, my father hit me really hard for, for going out with Mrs. Lou. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. I would imagine that is one of your strongest memories of living there. Was there anything else about living there that you wanted to share? Well, uh, this is, I don't know if I should share this, but anyway, uh, I, would, I would go to the hospital section and say hello to the people. I didn't have many friends at that time. We had come from Germany, and I think I still might have had an accent. I'm not sure. But anyway, I would go to the hospital section 
And um, I went one day and I saw the, one of the old men giving one of the nursing aides some money. And then she was masturbating him. I was a little girl. And, but somehow I knew what was going on. And I just didn't, I never said anything. Um, so I learned as a little girl that old people have needs, sexual needs, like most of us do, which need to be fulfilled somehow, maybe. And I learned that then. Um, but I never told anybody about it because this nursing aide would have gotten into a lot of trouble, I think, for taking money from the old people. Absolutely. And my father wanted me to be a doctor all the time. So, because um, his father wanted him to be a doctor and he never made it to medical school. He became a psychologist. So whenever something happened medically at the home, he would call me right away. We lived right at back of the home. And he said, come over now, Mrs. Smith is dying. So he called me and I ran over there and I saw this man whom I knew and he was dying. And, um, and that's how I, I got introduced to aging and to death. And, um, and also my good friend, she was a resident. She must have been in her her 70s, which was old at that time. Madame Ravinson, she came from Alsace-Lorraine and she taught me French. So every day after school, I got my French book. I got it and I brought it to Madame Ravinson and we would talk French. We'd have a wonderful time. And one day I took my book over to Madame Ravinson and she wasn't there. And I found her in the hospital like a, a zombie, like not a person anymore. And then I saw people that I knew that I loved and they were dying or dead. Um, so I think I learned to love old people, <laughs> or people who didn't know where they were anymore because I was with them. I was, you know, we became part of each other and I loved them. Mm. So I, I wanted to kind of, I can't help but ask because Vicky sh uh, shared with us that uh, there was an administrator that replaced your father at some point. And at some point, he has said something along the lines of, oh, Naomi is as crazy as the old people who live here. Do you sure. want to react to that, to, to kind of reflect on that a little bit? Well, it hurt my feelings when he said that. It also got me really angry, um, but I couldn't get angry back at him. Um, I, I never thought that anything he said had any merit to it. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the reason I ask is because many years ago in Israel, there was a, uh, a legendary director of, a, of an adult day health program for people with dementia. Meira um, Eckstein, she passed away um, about a decade ago. And she. the reason why I asked the question is because 
she would was extremely successful in connecting and 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 you know validating and humanizing and the you know, all dignity dignity and emotions you know she she would uh, she would uh, go on tables and and dance with 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 residents on tables she would go with an umbrella into a shower with a resident who refused to take it i mean she would do all those creative things that's why i asked the question i i should have probably uh, started with that that was my intention what i meant is the creativity and to connect in an intuitive way as you've done yeah it is a, you're creating a new relationship with another human being and you're taking in some of their personality who they are and they take in some of what you are and there is a a closeness um between me and the other old the other person um which enhances me and enhances them and so people who are just sitting there with their eyes just staring into space rocking back and forth if i gently enter into their world through gently gently touching and eye contact and then that person looks at me it's like um, I've helped give life to that person, and they have enhanced my life as well. So there's so much satisfaction and joy when you enter into the world of another human being. It adds to yourself. Absolutely. So my question is, can you share how you created the validation method? I know it's a big question, but still. If you can give kind of the highlights, how did you create the validation method? My background was social group work, which is how you work with groups. And that's what I did when I became a worker in the home for the agent. I had a group. I, I called it and, and um, we interacted. People who didn't talk started to talk anymore, to talk again. Um a person who always yelled, shut up, shut up, shut up. He became the shutter-upper. I gave everyone a role. And at the end of the group meeting, I said, okay, Mr. James, take it away. And he said, shut up. And everybody shut up. And so he felt good. The, the group was over. And um, So I, uh, tell me your question again now. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of reflecting how you created the validation method. You talked about the the group work. Uh yeah, then I was trained in social group work, and um, I used my training to uh, giving people social roles. We had a president, we had a caregiver, um, and music. I learned how important music is. So um, I used my background in social group work, as well as my knowledge of being a resident in a home because as a little girl I would go to people's rooms and we would talk to them and we'd have fun. We'd go to the local movie store, movie theater, art theater, and we'd just have a great old time. Um, now I love Mom, it. tell the story um, of Mr. Rose because you've always told me you learned validation from the old people like Mrs. Gogolik and Mr. Rose. Yeah. 
Well, um, first Mrs. Gagalik, she always used to take her, uh, at that time, we, we had diapers for the old people um, that were incontinent. So she, in the middle of the group, she would, un, un, and we had big safety pins, she would unpin her diapers and take them out and she would fold them very carefully. And um, when I explored, I didn't <laughs> but um, you're, you're folding your diaper, Mrs. Kogelik. And she says, yes, she says everything in his order. And when um, the, our president said hello, she would say, ladies, we all have Flumpkin Baggins disease. And I said, Mrs. Freeman, what is Flumpkin Baggins? And she said, Flumpkin Baggins is a disease. When you get old, you have good imagination and smelly hiss. And she sat down. And that was her, her thought for the day. Oh, and Mrs. Gagalik, she had a big purse. And she was always with this purse. And she would put papers and papers in it. And, um, they, and she, she, was, she was a former secretary, wasn't she? Secretary and a bookkeeper. So she was filing. And Mr. Rose? Well, he had a cane. And the reason he was in my group is he was aware of time and place, but he bothered everybody. And also, he shook his cane and he said, God damn, son of a He said that my father, who was the administrator, was castrating him in the attic. So I was really motivated to have him change his mind. After all, it was my father. So I, I took him up to the attic. And I said, look, Mr. Rose, there's no, there's no knife here. There's no blood, just two cases. And he never looked. He just walked away from me. And uh, no matter how hard I tried, he just got worse and worse in his swearing. And I said, Mr. Rose, look at the ladies. And they would go, ah. but he would swear. You know, I said, look at, look at Mrs. Freeman. She can't take that language, Mr. Rose. She just got worse. Well, I found out from his sister that when he was a little boy, his father had locked him up in the attic for something he never did. Uh, so his father, I think, had castrated him with words. So now in his mind's eye, he was in the attic and his father was castrating him. And he was, she was getting back at his father. So I learned that. And but what, what happened, you know, how validation came in. One day he said, God damn son of a bitch. And I was angry at my father for something. I forget what it was. And when he said, God damn son of a bitch, doctor, I said, God damn son of a bitch, Mr. Rosehead, son of a bitch. And he looked at me and I looked at him. We had a wonderful moment <laughs> of transference or whatever. And Mr. Rose didn't yell at my father anymore. So I found uh, the technique of mirroring if it's genuine, because I was really mad at my father, mm. was a good validation technique. And that's where I learned that. <laughs> you have more or less covered every single principle <clears throat> in validation. From all people are 
unique and worthwhile to there's always a reason behind the behavior, no matter how bizarre, and that it usually has to do with needs and feelings. And you made reference a little bit to the use of symbols. Your father, the administrator, Herr Doctor, was a symbol for Mr. Rose's dad. And people use symbols to express pain or fear or anger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've really, those stories are the heart of the validation method. Right. Thank you, Vicky and uh, uh, Naomi. Uh, I would like to ask for those who are not familiar with the with the method, how would you describe the validation method? The validation is a theory and a method for having empathy with very old people who have cognitive decline at and very old age. And it's a way of accepting their behavior and working with it, entering into their world so they don't feel alone and recognize that they're healing themselves and supporting the person in their struggle, their, their struggle at the end of life to justify having life giving life meaning. So if I'm yelling at doctor, there's a meaning behind that. And I finally want to yell at my father for hurting me. So the validation worker would help me express that anger. Why did you do that? I didn't do anything. And so on. And then after a few minutes, I feel so much better because all these feelings have come out. And I'm more ready to die, having expressed those feelings rather than dying with all this stuff inside me. Thank you. That was beautiful. Well, I would I would like to ask, you know, when you when you launched the validation method, what kind of response did you get from people in the beginning? Well, reality orientation and diversion redirection. Those were the the techniques that were very popular at that time. And um, I think I was ignored. You know, even though my husband, luckily, uh, was a wonderful filmmaker, and he made a film of my work, and I, you know, where I used validation, but that didn't, um, that didn't have any meaning to the people who um, who kind of disdained it, you know, they looked down on that. And, and they felt that having people know where they are and who the president is was very important. Whereas I didn't think it, that was so important as who I was and how I'm going to deal with my life before I die. As far as people, can you break down, was it like the medical community or academics or, or families, you know, that that you felt pushback from? Yeah, all of those. 
Well, I think, as I said, the administrator of my of the home where I worked said I was as crazy as the people I worked with. So nobody respected me at all. And when you'd have a group, uh, one of the important principles is that you have privacy, you know, that you can get the we feeling, that you bond the group. But in, when I was working, there was no we feel in the middle of it. It was hard to get the people together to have feeling we are a group and so on. So in the middle of it, the nurse would, or the nursing aide would come and take the lady who was my welcomer and she would take her right out to give her some medicine. And people walked through all the time, back and forth. And of course, it, all the it's hard to get energy to get attention. But then when people were walking by, the attention was lost. So I had no support from the administration or the other staff people. Mm-hmm. So lonely. And I did have students from the School of Social Work. And um, I worked with them, and, and they were very helpful. But I, I never was recognized for understanding the, the old people or for kids. You know, it's kind of ignored by the medical community. Wow. wow. And when you went out to speak, uh, try to... I don't like the word promote, but when you went to to increase awareness, say to the method with organizations out there or medical organizations or academic or, or other organizations, what kind of responses will you get? Well, um, they asked questions, and they never laughed at me. So um, I think the people that invited me uh, has some stature. And so that the people um, who were listening to me, they listened and we had interaction. And I think people did gradually see the validity of what I was doing. Mainly role play, I think. I think otherwise it would have been just like another, you know, other people had theories. And, but I think my role play was genuine and that helped the people identify I wanted to to ask you looking back at the at, at all those years all those decades you know uh, what are some of the main misconceptions that you encountered along the way along this journey uh, you know one of the things I'm noticing is people say oh yeah I know validation you just go with the flow so you know what are some of the misconceptions you encountered along the way about the method well lying to people. When uh, in validation, when you rephrase, I should say, I have to go see my mother. One way of getting reaching me is rephrasing with the same kind of emotion. Um, Mrs. Pyle, you, you want to see your mother very badly. Yes, I do. So that's lying. The misconception is rephrasing with, with empathy is lying. When it's a way of communicating, actually, and exploring with that other human being and making that other people, that other person feel more settled, more at home with the world. And they say it's lying to the person. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I have gotten a therapeutic lie, which is different. Like if I say to you, I have to go and see my mother, 
um, then therapeutic lie is if your mother's doing the laundry. She'll be right here in a minute. We have all this ice cream for you to finish. Well, I will go and finish the ice cream. But on what they don't recognize is that we have many levels of awareness. And on a deep level, subconsciously of awareness, I know my mother is dead because I was at her funeral and I saw her eyes closed. And I remember the thump when her body hit the casket to go under the earth. I can hear the thump of her body. That, that I will never lose. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, one of the things um, that I think was so important for me anyways, and it just really opened up my eyes was when I saw the video of you with Gladys Wilson. We really can have an impact on other people. We just have to slow down and pay attention. And to me, that was such a, that was such a gift to be able to see to, to see that video and to be able to share it with others because that really, that empowered me as an individual to make a difference. Can, can you tell people about the video that you did with, with Gladys Wilson? How did that touch you? Did, were you expecting that response from her? No, they, I didn't know her. I shouldn't have known her background. But as I say, I knew that she uh, was religious, that she had been to church. And I also know that when a person is, is locked inside themselves, if you gently, gently touch them where their mother touched them, that can often wake up a human being and so that you can have a relationship with them. And so when I sang Jesus Loves Me, it's a song that this this old woman felt very deeply. And when I gently, very gently, starting with the fingertips, but gently, gently moved upward to touch her cheek where her mother had touched her, but very slowly and gently, and we sang Jesus Loves Me, and her eyes opened, and we had a communion with each other. And I think she started to talk after that. Um, So uh, looking back, what are you most proud of regarding the validation method? Well, when I read what you said, which I forgot the exact numbers, but how many people are using validation and changing the lives all over the world, that makes me feel really good, you know, like my life is worthwhile. Because look at what's happened. My life was not for nothing. It's meant something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Exactly. You've got so many people in so many countries for so many years. And wow. And uh, this will inspire also, you know, generations to come for, 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 for sure. Yeah, I'm grateful to Vicky for keeping on my work, which she has done so beautifully and faithfully. Yeah, she really, she really has. Now, speaking of numbers, um, I, I'll just plug this in here now. The validation has been adopted in over 30,000 care homes in multiple countries. 
nearly a half a million professionals and family care partners have attended your workshops around the world. And there are 24 validation centers that teach the validation method in 14 different countries. Talk about an impact. I mean, that is just truly unparalleled um, to pretty much anything we've seen out there in this space, Naomi. You know, I, I am just so thankful that you didn't give up when people were, you know, pushing back at you when you were just charging forward there. So, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you was, you know, how did you make all that happen? The workshops, the, the one, women, one woman show, the, the books, the videos, um, where did they come from? Well, first of all, I didn't pay attention to those people who were espousing reality orientation because I knew the people. I lived with them. You know, when we were at the Montefiore home, I lived right across the street from them. You know, why I say across the street, there was a hallway. But I knew the people so well that I didn't have to worry about, the, about those other people um, who said that they should know the day and the date. And when, you, when you're so very sure of something, then if somebody contradicts you, you don't worry about it. Let them contradict you. That's all. That's their business. I know what I'm doing is good, and I know that it's helpful. I'm sure, so sure of that that I don't have to worry about the other people. That, so you know. what you're saying is that the reassurance and the confirmation, the validation, if you will, came from the, the most authentic source, which was the residents. That's right. My question was, is where did your uh, powerful lifelong drive for the validation method come from? From the knowledge that I was helping people, that people, when I validated them, their eyes would open, people who would sit day after day with their eyes closed, moaning, their eyes open, they looked at me. And some of them started to talk. And it was like, um, almost like you lift a wand. You know, the, the, the fairy princess lifts the wand and people start to talk. It was like that, um, sort of. It gave me a great deal of pleasure myself. So I got a lot out of validating the people for me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you. You're very consistent with the source of inspiration and what moved you to go through this uh, lifelong journey with this individual and inspire all of us. You know, so what can people learn for themselves by caring in this fashion? You mean, you don't mean the old person, you mean the caregiver. A caregiver, yeah, because I think sometimes we think we don't, we're not going to learn anything, you know, we're just we're kind of doing those tasks, um, but there's nothing that we're going to, you know, receive back. Well, what I learned, first of all, from Mr. Rosenblatt, when he was angry at his father, I learned that I was really angry at my father. And that gave me a lot of insight into my own need to heal myself. I learned to be really honest with myself. And I also learned that if I'm not honest with myself, I can never help the old person 
heal themselves. So, and I learned also to put away anger that I had, that which interfered with the relationship with the old person. So I learned kind of to take my own feelings and put them aside as I entered into the world of the old person. Yeah, well, and I think so often um, we come in with those emotions and then that older adult will mirror that back and then we get mad at them where they were fine before we came into the room, <laughs> you know, because they're, they're mirroring us back. But we, I, I think we just aren't all that self um, evolved in terms of really looking within and the impact that we have. Yeah. Vicki, go ahead. I wanted to add two things that I think are important for people to hear what you can gain from doing validation besides um, self-knowledge, which my mom talked about, learning about your own life tasks and needs. Um, what she touched on, but I, I want to reinforce, is the joy of connection. Of real human to human communication. There is such a sense of um, satisfaction, for lack of a better word. And the other thing that I got is uh, learning to let go of being right. You know? Mm. I want this person to bathe now and to recognize mm, that's my need. That may or may not be this other person's need. And I'm to so be proud. able to think in that way. That's wonderful. Vicky, thanks for adding that. I want to just kind of read a, a short quote from the late uh, Tom Kitwood. And maybe it's as a segue to the next question, and perhaps if you have a reaction. People with dementia may have something important to teach the rest of humankind if we make the venture one of genuine and open engagement, we will learn a great deal about ourselves. So what uh, Naomi, what are some of the key ways the validation method, has helped to change the image of this population. We're talking here about the stigma, right? Uh, what? About the, the, the widespread, deeply ingrained stigma and, uh, you know, uh, uh, misconceptions and, and uh, prejudice about older adults living with dementia. So how does the validation method help change that in your mind? Right. Well, when people ask questions like, what do you do for them and those people? When they use them and they and those, putting people in a category like that, they are all alike. And this is how you deal with them. To me, that's really looking down on people as well as yourself, that you can't see that this person is an individual and is struggling, and there's not one way that you do with everybody. Each person is unique, and you got to see the world from their point of view, 
which is really helpful to me because I see my own prejudices. Yeah, I'm angry at this woman because she reminds me of my mother. When she slapped me, she has the same voice as my mother. So I learn about myself and my own unmet needs and, and my own feelings that I haven't examined well enough before I die. I'm thankful to this old lady. Look, she helped me do that. And you, she's given me a gift. So what would you say to someone who would say, well, people in advanced stages of dementia, uh, you know, they're, you know, living dead. They're no longer there. There is no point. Uh, don't waste your time. Don't bother. What would you say to that? I would say these people are very much in need of you to get into their world and to bother. You need to bother. You need to listen to their needs and also to their unmet needs, to their struggles now in an old age to heal themselves. This woman, look at who hates her father. She needs to express it. She needs to work it out. She doesn't want to die with all this anger against him. Let me help her. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that was that was so beautiful um, to help people process, you know, before the end of life. I, I don't think people understand the importance of that. I, I think death is so scary to, to so many people. But I, I want to pull us back to the stigma. And I would love to hear if there are some words that you think kind of perpetuate the stigma. Can I ask you to talk about the word dementia? I think it's a very unfortunate choice of words because it comes literally from the Latin. Mens, mented is mind, and this means away from. So dementia means literally away from the mind. Well, if I have a memory loss, I may have lost my cognitive mind or awareness, but I have an intuitive mind. And my intuitive mind says to me that you really listen to me, that you really care about me. So to say um, that they've lost their minds, I think, is really looking down on people. Is there, is there a word of choice that you would prefer people to use versus um, Loss of cognitive, I, I can't think of one word, loss of cognitive awareness. Okay. Yeah, I, I know I've struggled with that. And it seems like the, the community itself doesn't like any word that comes up, you know, and they want to change it. And I love your your explanation. I think that's a, a great way to educate people as well in mm -hmm. terms of there's two ways to look at this word, you know, and not everybody's looking at it the way everyone else is looking at it. So um, I, I think that that is really important. So thanks for for sharing that. Naomi, uh, could you share, and I know you kind of touched upon it in, in different ways, but and if you want to move on, that, that's fine. But could you share how uh, you uh, see the validation method 
as a holistic method? Well, I was doing my group and um, the psychologist afterwards, after the group, said to he he listened and he said, he's the one that said to me, you're validating the people. And part of that is you're seeing the whole person. You're not just seeing that they can't uh, talk anymore, but you're seeing that her eyes have a little tear in here and she's moaning a little and she's moving back and forth. I think she may be missing someone she loves. So holistic is I'm not just looking at her memory loss, but I'm looking at her eyes, looking at her whole being, and I'm looking at her fingers that are grasping for somebody I think to love. And that would be holistic. I'm looking at the whole person mm -hmm. as well as their physical movements, the emotional need. Wow, that's, that's very powerful. Uh, what do you see as the importance of learning the early life history of people with cognitive uh, decline? What do you see is that, is, is, is it with your method? How important is that? I think it's very important because it helps you understand the meaning behind the behavior. So when Mr. Rose shakes his fist up and says, God damn son of a bitch, there's a meaning behind that. And I look at his history and I talk to his, his, well, his sister, who tells me that he was locked up in the attic when he was a little boy, punished by his father. That helps me understand. So history is very important. Thank you. Thank you. So many times uh, those behavioral expressions, or I should say human expressions, understandable human expressions, are taken out of context. Because a lot of times, for, for different reasons, the people who provide the care, the professionals, uh, for different reasons, may not have access to early life, you know, those pearls from life, right? There's actually a position in the UK, they call it the, they call it the locksmith position and it's a full-time position and a critical piece of the job description is to learn about the early life history and to identify those pearls with which you can work with the person right that's right very very important well i'd like to switch gears just a hair here and um and talk about about you personally you're 90 now have you felt stigmatized due to your age well, when I go, I still go into groups, like I go into improv, improvisation groups. And um, I think that people are surprised when I um, interact and verbally interact. Wonderful. Um, so sometimes they look at me and they applaud not because of anything I've done, but because I'm old and I'm still there. Yep, you're still participating. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think that just points out the the lack of expectation. You know, we were kind of put in a box and, and people don't expect that. And it's like, well, how sad is that? You know, and, and then when we don't expect it, a lot of times we don't give the opportunity for people to be able to participate there. So thank you um, for stating that. What are your wishes for the future for your for yourself and for validation? Well, I'm hoping to live another year or two 
uh, for myself. Um, and I'm certainly grateful to Vicki and all of you here for carrying on validation. And that's what I'm hoping that everybody who knows about validation will teach it to other people and that it will live on that way, maybe through the centuries. And um, that would be wonderful. Yeah, really. And, and I mean, validation is so valid. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a, a prime tool that I think everybody needs uh, to have. As far as a message for young professionals, you know, people, you know, stepping into this space and, and we're getting young professionals by age and we're getting kind of newbies that might be older stepping into this profession as well. What advice do you have for them? To recognize that this old person has the same basic needs as you. And when I'm sitting alone, you want love from your husband. And I need love from my caregivers who would symbolize my husband. Just as you, as you need to get out your anger sometimes. So I do need to get my anger at my father who hurt me. So there is a connection between me, the old lady who is acting out with, with uh, damage to my brain cells, to my controls. There is a connection between me and, and you, the younger person who has those same feelings but maybe doesn't even recognize them or doesn't want to give vent to them. Very true. Um, it is. It really is about paying attention and, um, and pulling somebody in instead of pushing somebody away. So, uh, Naomi, looking back, uh, is there anything you would have done differently? Um. I'm sorry, I, think, I know this is a big question, but still. Yeah, um, I think I would have been more assertive to all the people, all the big organizations that looked down on what I was doing. Um, I should have been more confident and maybe done more writing and talking about the value of validate, validation. Instead, I think I was more intimidated by these big organizations that put me down. But I kept going because I knew what I was doing was right, because I knew the people. But at the same time, I was aware that they were putting me down. That's wonderful. That's going to be empowering for many people who will watch this. Thank you. Um I'm wondering if you and if you don't feel comfortable answering this question, no worries. But how do you see yourself nowadays? How do I feel? How, how do you see yourself? How do I see myself? Well, I see myself as having contributed to the field of aging and living. And that gives me a great deal of pleasure. Um, also, I see myself a little bit sorry that I'm not, you know, the actress in me loves to perform. And uh, that'll always be a part of me, I think. I don't have that opportunity anymore. 
So that's, um, I have to come to terms with that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I see myself as having done a lot and I should be satisfied. I don't have to be a great actress to feel satisfied, but I wish I were. <laughs> Go ahead. I, Erickson's last stage, integrity versus despair. Where are you on that continuum? Uh, I think deep down, I like myself. And I'm glad I did what I did. I wish I had done it more. I wish I was more self-assertive. But I wasn't. But I still reached a lot of people. So I think I've come to terms with what I did and what I didn't do. And uh, it's okay. You see what I did, and that's important to me as my daughter. And you're carrying on my work. And that's a wonderful thing. That's really a gift to an old person. When their children carries on what they've done, it's a wonderful thing. Where where are you now in your in your life process? Well, I think I'm about ready to die. Um, I know it will come, and I who knows what it'll be like when it does come. Um, but I think uh, I if I do any performing, I would enjoy it. But if I don't. I did it in the past, and I did enjoy it, and I, I'm i happy for that. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, Naomi, your unfulfilled dream was also a blessing in disguise for the field and for older adults uh, with cognitive decline, uh, because you used that skill and you honed that skill, and you were able to demonstrate the, the impact, the, you know, the, the power, the effect of this method with that skill. So we, 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 we're grateful uh, and, and so many people around the world. Uh, so unfulfilled dream, but, but a blessing, a blessing for others. Uh, so with the last question, if you feel comfortable for yourself personally, uh, what do you wish for now? What do I wish for? For yourself. Well, it would be light and nice if once I could again um, be an actress. I'd love to do that, either on the stage or in a workshop, something like that. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I wish that I would be happy with what I did and accept what I can no longer do. And when I die, I can die more or less in peace. Let go, but I can let go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, this has just been such a, a brilliant conversation. And it just um, has been such an honor for me and I, and I know for Elon as well. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that, that we need to get out there to our audience about, about yourself and your work? I think it's so important to have a good relationship with your children. 
And I'm so glad that Vicky and I have a good relationship because we've been through a lot of storm and drang, storm and, and stress. Um, but we've come through it. So I, I would just get, tell a person my age, make peace with your children. Make peace with those you love. And make peace with your unfinished desires. And concentrate on the ones you've done and the good things you've done. Um, Vicki, I wanted to ask you if there was anything that we haven't covered. I know that I do want to ask about the fourth edition. Yeah, the validation breakthrough. And maybe you can highlight that for us and anything else that you think uh, we missed. Well, to make it very short, um, we have a team of expert teachers, validation masters, that listen to people's reactions. And over many years, we've heard that people had very, um, they felt badly about the labels that we used for the four phases. And so this group of people sat together and discussed, well, how do we handle this criticism? Uh, and so we, we basically dropped all the labels. We changed from using the word dementia. We changed malorientation and vegetation, which were the two labels people really didn't like. And now we don't use any labels at all. We just basically rewrote the book um, with descriptions of behavior and ways of communicating, which is really the heart and soul of, of validation. That's what you're looking at. How are they communicating to me? And the second thing we did was um, we updated the stories to more present time examples. So instead of talking about somebody having been in World War II, we're now talking about somebody who had been in Vietnam, for instance. And I think that makes it more accessible to the younger people who are now reading the book for the first time. And that's, those are the changes we made in the fourth edition. Okay. I really like it. And uh, we added different pictures. And, and I guess the other thing I want to say is we pulled all the research studies out because there are too many to put in. Um, we've put that on our website. Anytime somebody has a published piece of research on validation, we, uh, and, we and it's sent to us, we scan it. And we put it up and we do that before we look to see is it positive or is it negative because it's not for us to judge. We just put it all up there for transparency. Um, there are over 60 academic papers and studies that are on our website and in many different languages. Uh, and we're very proud of that, that we now have this big body, uh, an international body of, of uh, research support. And then the last thing I wanted to say, uh, Mom, this is a special 
hot off the presses news. The children's book that you said you wanted, Validation for Children, has just been published today in Dutch. Who wrote it, Vicky? A woman named Amber Ten Brink. She's a Belgian woman who's a validation worker, certified. And I told her, you you had told me, you really wanted a book for children that taught validation ideas and techniques. And I told Amber, and Amber got very inspired, and she is a beautiful artist. She did magnificent watercolors. And the title of the book is Naomi and the Tie-Dye Club. (laughs) And the main character is a woman who looks just like you, uh, who is living in a a, a care facility. That's wonderful, Vicki. Yep. I will pass that on to Amber, but I'm, I just want you to know that when you put your dream out there, sometimes it becomes reality. Wonderful. Oh, that is fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's, uh, that's absolutely brilliant. Um, Elon, anything else that you wanted to to uh, comment on before we give out contact information because my gosh we got to point people in the right direction so uh, i just want to very briefly uh to naomi uh say thank you for showing us the way thank you and thank you for following and leading (laughs) well you're a pretty bright light you can't really miss (laughs) you you know so you really you really have uh beamed a path um, around the world that has just changed hearts and minds and, and souls. Um, so again, thank you all for, for listening. I hope our, our viewers will like, click and share. This has just been such an important conversation and more and more people need to learn about the validation method. Um, you can go to their website, which is vfvalidation.org. Um, we have a link where you can purchase uh, training videos at vimeo.com forward slash on demand forward slash Naomi file workshop. Uh, they have a YouTube channel. You can uh, go and sign up for their newsletter. They have a Facebook page called Validation Helps. Uh, You can go to LinkedIn to learn more about the Validation uh, Training Institute. And of course, they're on Twitter as well as Validation Helps. And uh, you can also um, contact Vicki directly uh, via her LinkedIn. So we will have all these links for you in the show page. And um, again, Thank you all. This has just been, again, such an honor and a privilege uh, to have this conversation with you, Naomi. Uh, you, you really, you, your, your light shines brightly and uh, it will last way beyond, I think, any of us in our lifetimes here. You know, it, this is something that will live on for, for decades. 
So thank you. A gift to me. Thank you. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.